This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty. It is brought to you by Reggie's Diner. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 50. This episode, we welcome Mark DiCarlo. Mark played Alec Berg in the season six episode, Seinfeld, The Face Painter. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty, at This Thirsty. Check out our YouTube channel. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Episode 50, Mark DiCarlo. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. This is episode 50. Our guest today is an actor, television host, comedian, and travel and foodie expert. He has won three local Emmy Awards as a contributor to WLS-TV's morning show, Windy City Live. He's also well known for providing the voice of Hugh Neutron, the title character's father in the adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. He authored a comedic travel hockey cookbook, A Fork on the Road, 400 Cities, One Stomach, which was published by Lions Press. And he hosted the Travel Channel's Taste of America with Mark DiCarlo for two seasons in 04 and 05. He's appeared in Family Guy, Ben Stiller Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And of course, he played Alec Berg in the classic season six episode of Seinfeld, The Face Painter. Please welcome Mark DiCarlo. Mark, thanks for joining. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Now, Mark, we we thought you'd have the Alec Berg suit on, but we do like we do like the getup you got. I think the Alec Berg suit is behind me somewhere. It's been <laughs> quite a while since I put it on. Oh man, so Alec Berg is a, a, a classic character, and so take us back. So that's 1995. Um, you did a lot of, in your career up to then. I do want to talk about studs. I actually just watched an episode of that. It was pretty hilarious. But take us, <laughs> yeah. Take us back to 95, um, kind of what was going on in your career. Did you ever, um, did you ever uh, try out for Seinfeld in the past? And, and how did the whole audition process come about? Uh, it was, you know what, it, I've done a lot of sitcoms in my career. And that, that show obviously stands out, not only because of how good it was when you saw it, but just the whole machine that made the show was um, excellent. Larry and Jerry worked their asses off every single week. They were the first guys there. They were the last guys there. Uh, when we all left, they stayed and they were rewriting every night. The audition process, um, I had been doing, you know, I founded the Second City Theater out here in Los Angeles. So I've been doing a lot of improv around town. And uh, I think Dorian Frankel was the casting director. She called me in uh, and it was Mark Hirschfeld and I read for him and then he brought me in and there's Larry and Jerry sitting on the couch. And then Larry was like, all right, well, so you're, you're Alec Berg and you, you just talk to me. That's all you have to do. Just talk. And I did the scene with them and they went, all right. And, but before I got home, my agent had called me and told me that I booked the part. Um, the, the, the process of making the show, the thing that really stood out to me is normally on sitcoms, like if you're in a scene, you're on set. And if you're not in a scene, you're in your trailer, making phone calls or doing whatever. But the, the, the four leads in the show were on set all day long, whether they were in a scene or not. And they would literally sit 
like they were Yogi Bear on the bench, and there'd be a break, and they'd go, you know what, Jason, you, you shouldn't have the ball. Give that ball to Jerry, Michael. When you come in, do this. They, it was a, it was such a communal effort, and everyone was just plugged in all day long, with only one goal, which to make the show great. No egos, no BS. It was it was such a an eye opening experience for me because I think the show, I, I had done a. Recently, a couple of weeks prior to that, I had done a different sitcom and there it was just it wasn't funny and there were egos on set and, you know, there were this click and that click. And it was it was a shit show. And, and Seinfeld right. was was a, a delicious stew of talented writers, uh, talented actors all coming together. Uh, and Alec Berg, uh, as I'm sure you guys know, was one of the um, one of the writers of the show. And he hired me later on to do. Uh, curb. So yeah, it, we wanted. It, to get it was to really that. a great episode. Really, really a great experience for me, rather. Yeah, I mean, we've heard that a lot. That 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 set. They really. There's no egos, and they really let the guest stars shine, which is which is great. Which is you know, your characters that you know come on, come and go, but you remember that because of that. I think they let they right, let and that's shine really so important. Much. I mean, yeah. from an actor's point of view, letting letting the guest stars shine. Typically, I mean, I've had friends who have started a rehearsal week on a sitcom with. 20 lines and every time they got a laugh one of the stars got jealous and they'd come in the next morning and that laugh that line would be with somebody else so by the end of the week they have two lines to say and i remember i I think before the reading even started all four of them came up and introduced themselves to me julia was really super sweet we talked about chicago and second city so by the time the table reading starts which is how every episode starts you sit along a big table and you read through the script, I, I already felt comfy. You know, I felt like, oh, okay, this is Seinfeld. It, was a, it wasn't as big as it eventually got, but it was still a hit show at that point. And you feel, uh, you know, you feel intimidated walking onto that set. You don't know anybody really. And they really, all four of them, and, and the director and Alec and a bunch of other people, they, they went out of their way to, hey, man, we're really glad you're here. You did a great job in the reading. It's going to be really funny. And it gives you, um, you know, it's like sports. If you're worried that you're going to make a mistake, you don't play your best. But if right. you're loose and you realize, hey, if you make a mistake, you just do it over, you you can, uh, you know, it, it opens up your bandwidth a little bit better and you can be closer to 100% of whatever you're capable of. And they they uh, they totally did that, at, le- at, le- at least for me and for the other people I saw there. And, you know, sure. look at all the people that have come through that show. So it's funny, uh, you now I get a sense you are a sports guy where the Cubby yeah, had a, a bunch of sports references already the first couple of minutes here. And what's super interesting is the episode you're in on Seinfeld and then later Curve, we'll start with Seinfeld, is obviously sports related. Like, did, did they know that coincidence? And obviously you just kind of, you kind of ate that up and you could just tell like you were a guy that like, you know, had tickets and like, just had such a confidence about him, right? Yeah, like, and then I think curve. we all kind of know a guy like that. Um, yeah, no, it was a total coincidence, but I am a huge, I, I played hockey earlier today. I don't know if you can see that here. I got all my, uh, I got my Blackhawks jerseys. I got my USA jersey. Oh, I've wow. got uh, a bunch of different jerseys in here. I think it's the greatest sport on the planet. And um, yeah, it, it turned out to be quite funny, uh, the, the whole. Oh, and it was a hockey episode, of course. Yeah, which you crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, that is crazy. That's back uh, when the Devils were good. 
Yeah, that was, a, that was an insane was series. That 94 and 95. I went to a few of those 95 playoff games and the Devils won it. Um, yeah, they were good. But the 94 series was, was incredible. Uh, we're both from New York, so we were, we were obviously in the, uh, in the meat of that thing at that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the other thing I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, it's funny because when you're introduced in the Seinfeld episode, Elaine says she doesn't like you and calls you pretentious. But you don't really see you being that pretentious. And there's like a part of me that wonders, is there any, was there any other scenes you shot that where you were more pretentious? Or you just, you played it so low key pretentious, I guess is more of how it was. You weren't overtly, but I'm just curious like how you went into the role knowing that, you know, Lane didn't like you and eventually Jerry's going to kind of snub you, but you played it so cool. I was like, I like Ohio said, I'm the cool guy. I got the tickets. Like I'm rocking and rolling here. I don't know. It's just interesting how you kind of looked at it. I think, I think we rehearsed it a couple different ways. In my head, I uh, wanted to date Elaine. So I was going to try and impress her with my tickets. And I thought Jerry and George nice. were a couple of idiots. And I couldn't believe that she hung out with them. <laughs> nice. And I, I think I had turned up the pretentiousness more previously. And I think Jerry said, you know what? Don't be so obvious. You know, crank it back. And they did the same thing on Curb. When I did Curb, Literally, Garland hands me a piece of paper. He ripped a piece of paper out of the script and he goes, here, here's, they, they didn't really direct me too much as far as how they wanted me to play it. I remember the, there's the second or third scene that I'm in is in a funeral home and uh, Jerry and Elaine come in and I don't say hi to him. I just give him a, and I remember asking Larry, am I pissed that they didn't say thank you? Am I not? And he goes, eh. so that was, <laughs> that's my direction. You seemed you it's seemed really hello. pissed. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, you do but, the funeral hello, but it's tough to tell at a funeral hello. I, and I think that's what they were after. I think right, they, Maybe they, they didn't want, want people, you to know. Right, if you're right in the middle, the people that think that want to think that you're pissed can think that. The people that think you're not, um, you know, it was a nice little acting. Yeah, uh, I mean, lesson. I I always I always sided with Alec Berg in this episode. Um, Jerry seemed a little snarky at the funeral. Like I know they had that small talk, and then he's like. Hey, Alec, you know what I mean? I didn't like the way he went about that. So I think he deserved that. Um, but I, I, I just love that. Thank you. I mean, you should do a next day thank you. The tickets like that. Of course. Well, yeah, on the glass. Yeah. But just, you know, typical Steinfeld where they take something that it that blows past you in real life and they can blow 22 minutes of, you know, hardcore comedy out of it uh, just with that really deft touch. I mean, why? And later on in the episode, what's the big deal, Jerry? Pick up the friggin' phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe Jerry was picking up on my uh, des- on, on my character's desire to uh, see Julia naked and was fighting <laughs> back a little bit. <laughs> so the curb. It sounds like then the Alec Berg, the re- the real quote unquote Alec Berg, um, when there comes time to shoot that 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 curb. They just reached out to you and said, hey, and, and I don't know, maybe did you know Garland and those guys from Chicago? Or was yeah. it just from the, yeah, and that connection too helped? And so I'm assuming no audition for Kirby. It was just like, hey, we got a role. Come on in. And and, and uh, um, just curious. That was like uh, I guess it was no, 2001. I I, so that was like six years later, I think. Yeah, I think I auditioned for it. But there's a big, there's a big Chicago Second City mafia out here of all of people that either went through second city there or did it here mm-hmm. and we're all friends and jeff's in that group and uh, uh joel pat murray finn. and pat finn who's hilarious 
Yeah, we had him uh, on. Nia Vardalis, Ian Gomez, uh, tons, t- you know, there's tons of us. And um, I knew Jeff from from that. And uh, I think I knew Alec. I had met Alec uh, through Seinfeld and had seen him a couple other times. So they were, you know, that, that was a much lower key audition. I think I came in and just read for read for Larry and he gave me the part right there in the room. And that's purely and, unscripted as far as your lines go in Curve? My, literally, the, the script, as I recall, was a page and it was just paragraphs of story. And I, so, uh, you know, I was uh, playing Sha- Shaquille O'Neal's manager yeah, yeah, and, yeah, cool. and Larry trips him and hurts him. And he's in the hospital. He's out of the playoffs. So I, I, I'm thinking I would be really, really pissed. So I'm, I walk up to Larry. I'm like, well, how angry am I am? I, you know, how am I pissed off? He goes, eh, we'll just, you know, we'll just do it. <laughs> so we did it three or four different ways. Really irritated, not irritated at all. And then like in the middle, and then they, they cobble it together. Steve Rash has been their editor since uh, year season one, I think. And he does a brilliant job. He's won the Emmy at least once that I know of. Um, for piecing together all that material and making it seem continuous and uh, have it all make sense. But uh, literally, I just, I, <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. Little sliver, it had my name, who I was to Shaq. And then he said, yeah, and Jerry messes up Shaq's leg and uh, he's in the <laughs> hospital. So go do it. That's it. Go for it. You got it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we just, uh, just rewatched that episode, obviously, along with um, uh, the one on Seinfeld. It's just incredible how VHS tapes, you know, that was part of that show. Like, Larry brought all the VHS tapes to uh, oh, Shaq. In a big, giant yeah, box. I had never met Shaq before, right? And we shot that at the Staples Center, which is where the Lakers were playing. In between every shot, Shaq would sneak away. And he walked up to 10 or 15 different ushers. And all he said was, hey, man, we couldn't do this without you. Thanks so much for everything you do for us throughout the season. Signing autographs. He he was so cool and so nice to all the, you know, the little people that were working in Staples. Because the I, I, the same crew that was there then as the, were the people that do the games. And I just thought it was so... Um, so cool that he would take his time and go around and talk to people because he knew that all those ushers would die to talk to him for five minutes, you know? Yeah. Five and minutes. he's like a good guy. He seems like a class act. And it's funny. We, you brought up Pat Finn and we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, another like Chicago class act. And he had a similar story about Jerry, similar to Shaq, like, and how, just how gracious he was and how he actually, ad lib like his little uh, Joe Mayo lines which which was great did you did you get to ad lib anything on the, on the set of Seinfeld I'm trying to think scenes you were really, in wasn't really, maybe when you were at your desk yeah there wasn't really a, a space for it I typically I do when I get hired for something but I was you know more or less the MacGuffin throughout the episode the first scene in the diner was pretty tight and then the other ones um we goof around a little bit in rehearsal. And then once we, especially on Seinfeld, once, once, once they get the music and the flow of the scene, they lock it down and then they shoot it. So there wasn't really much of a, much of an opportunity for me to do it, but they were, and, and, and I'm sure Pat would agree. It's letting you do that kind of stuff. First of all, if you're going to hire an improviser, 
that's what you're buying, right? You want someone that can throw stuff in and then either they like it or they don't. Speaking of improv, there's a scene at the end of the show, that episode, where Kramer is apologizing to the monkey. (laughs) They shot the whole scene, or they shot the whole episode, didn't shoot that scene, cleared the audience out. Then they brought in the chimp. They put the chimp in the cage. They turned on four cameras, and they just said, go. And Michael Richards walked in there and did 25 minutes of goofing around with the monkey. That was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. And in the episode, it's 15 seconds. Right. But it just kept going and going and going. And it was, it was, it was hilarious. That, that, that was some brilliant improvising. With a monkey. Yeah, exactly. That footage has got to be somewhere. I mean, obviously that would be, that's incredible. I'm surprised I've never seen it in any of the. Yeah. um, On like a behind the the scenes or something. Yeah. Cause it was really and, and they had a lot of cameras turning. So I know they got all of it. It was really funny. So, yeah. So you're there, like you mentioned, um, they, you're there and everyone's there the whole shoot, uh, every scene, whether you're in the scene or not, which is, it sounds like atypical yeah. of most sitcoms, the way they work. Um, I think you've kind of touched on it, but I'm just going to ask a little bit, just kind of delve a little bit more just to see if there's anything we're missing here with Larry David. It sounds like he doesn't give much directions. He wrote that episode too, that you were in. Um, so I thought maybe he might have more of um, a presence on set, but it sounds like he doesn't give much direction from what you've said so far, but I'm just curious, was there any? No, he was on set. He was definitely on set, definitely on set and definitely always noodling and and writing things down. I I think um, my impression was they were going to let you, at least with me, follow your instincts. And if it sucked, they would tell you. But you just kind of, I just kind of did the scene how I thought the scene was supposed to play. And um, I don't recall any major change, you know, any major roadblocks or uh, scene shifts that they wanted me to do. It's just kind of, uh, and, and, you know, there's, a, I think the whole series, there's this realism and kind of deft touch. All, even, even the smallest part on Seinfeld you never get the sense that the people are acting they're, they're They have fully developed characters and lives and they're just intersecting with Jerry for 90 seconds and then they go away. But that the, um, uh, the, 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 the quality of the people that they brought in was such that they didn't have to boss them around too much. And they gave you very free true. reign to, uh, do what you wanted to do. It's very true. I mean, that's what our podcast is all about. We've had a few of those actors on, you know, they just had a few scenes here and there and they just they stood out they were developed it's like you said there's every one of them is memorable just no matter how right. how many lines or what they had to do in the scene it's crazy and that's a testament to jerry and uh, larry and the, the the four stars of the show because i'm telling you on on most shows it's not that way the the stars want all the laughs and all the jokes and all the attention and the the guest cast typically is there to set up jokes and propel the plot points forward. And it's more a much more of a utilitarian task if you're looking at the, the scope of the writing of the, uh, of the script in general. But on Seinfeld, the, the guest stars have some of the funniest stuff to do. And they, you know what? It's like Gretzky or Connor McDavid or Ovechkin. They dish, they pass the puck, and they don't mind if you score. You know what I mean? It's yeah, all about the points. It's all right. about the score. Yeah, and I think the way you get graded is if the audience wants more of you, right? And I think that's what they wanted from Alec Berg. I'm curious if if 
you were ever approached to come back to the show. Like, I don't even know what Alec Berg did, right? I know he was just a businessman, right? Yet he went to coffee shops on the Upper West Side, but right. like, um, and he did get snubbed. I was curious if you you were um, invited back for the finale or if that ever came up, but you would have been a great character. Like, yeah, they never thanked me, you know? <laughs> that would have been funny. No, I never got a chance to go back. I've done a couple of um, TV Guide interviews because I guess this the, the Face Painter episode is like one of the top 10 popular Seinfeld episodes ever. Um, but no, I did not get to go back for the finale. Uh, certainly would have had they asked because uh, it was really it was a, a great experience with quality people. And I mean, you know, look at everybody that touched that show has gone on to do uh, great work because uh, they were good. You know, really, it's what it boils down to. Sometimes, <laughs> no accident, sometimes on right? a show, you know, there's hundreds of people that work on a show, and to, uh, you know, typically, if you're lucky, forty percent of them are really good. I think, you know, on Seinfeld, it was ninety percent of them, and it just it it works. It's difficult to do, and right. it, it really, really, it was the writing. Larry and Jerry never stopped working the whole week. Period. Yeah, it's no accident, and 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 you right. you. You know, your character's name, obviously, we talked about Alec Berg, the, re the quote unquote real Alec Berg. Was there any, they just used the name because they liked it and they liked that whole, you know, John Holston. Jerry uh, thought thing. it was, that, that's, that's it. what they used to say okay. to him. Yeah. Okay. Jerry goes, Yeah, I think it's funny. So we put it in a script. Okay. So there was no, he, Alec Berg, they didn't want you to, to you know, use his mat. There was nothing like that. It was a great name. That's it. He's not like, yeah, uh, no, it was no just a funny the name. story behind that as far as. Yeah, and he's very, Alex, very quiet, um, lanky. Yeah, I'm nothing like Alec. So, no, I don't think they can yeah, Alec Greg look alike. No. And they haven't they haven't done that much. Um, they did it with Joe Mayo, Joe which Pat Finn played. And your last so name they, in Curve is Mayo, which is uh, I don't know, a weird. Little... Albert Mayo, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was growing up. I, I remember the show Studs, and I I just went back and watched an episode. Don't uh, know why, but it was you doing the Lou Gehrig impersonation of today. I consider myself the luckiest host alive. I <laughs> So it's like, I, I, I can't escape these sports themes from you, right? So I just want to ask you, well, we can talk about studs, but um, I always like asking Chicago folks their, uh, their favorite team. I see you got the Cubbies hat. I now know you're a Blackhawk guy. Yeah. But tell, I, me, like, tell is, me that this is, isn't, I think this is the greatest, the greatest jersey in sport. Who's that? Eddie Belfour? Who do you got? No, just just the, the crest, Ronick? just the red, just the red jersey, the the um the whole design. It's just classic. Uh, uh I mean, obviously I, I'm partial because I grew up there. Right. Um uh, this is this is my own jersey, but watch Patrick Kane for five minutes. And if you're not entertained, there's something wrong with you. All right. So Blackhawk Cubs Championship 85 Bears or the 2015 Blackhawks? The World Series, the World. I was, yeah, I was. I, I do a television show in Chicago and had. Uh, I went to the. I was at the game that Kyle Hendricks pitched to beat the Dodgers to get us into the World Series. We were wow. shooting inside the park, and then afterwards, I met our crew, a, a crew outside the park, and we shot from eleven o'clock until four in the morning. I think I don't really remember because there was drinking involved, but uh, it was um, it was just a great time for the city. 
It was uh, emotional. It was fantastic. And that team just played so well. A after the game, we came out of that game. Uh, I was also in town for the World Series. I didn't get uh, tickets, but I was there the night they won the one home game before they went back to Cleveland and got it. And people spill out of the, uh, out of the park. And there were just a line of cops down the middle of Clark Street for like about half a mile either way, high-fiving people, nothing burned, no cars were turned over, no mischief. People were just so happy. So, you know, everybody's thinking about their grandpa and their great-grandpa. Right, it, right. it was awesome. It was, I, I think, because we were so starved for uh, a quality team for so long, it was just a... Uh, it was an exciting thing. And, and the, the Stanley cups are cool too, but I know you, yeah. I mean, the, when you, when you're, you mentioned the grandfather, father, you'd be thinking that when the Red Sox won the, the HBO did a documentary on it. And the guy said that I get the chills talking about it every time the guy said he wandered out to the cemetery and he, he got there and there was hundreds of people there. Like he wasn't the only one. It was, it was crazy. I get choked to talking about it again. That's crazy. When you think about yeah. it, like generations of people, you know, well, I think um, that's the cool thing yeah. about Fenway and Wrigley yeah. is that's the same place right. that I've been going to since I was three years old with my grandfathers and my dad and my brothers. And I still, it's the same place, same thing. I, I, I get a lump in my throat every time I go and I'm right before I come out from the dungeon and come out and see the green of the field. It's, it's just a, it's an amazing place. I, I anyone anyone that has not had a chance to go and see a baseball game at Wrigley field, go do it. I don't care if you're a baseball fan or not. It's just get there at 10 in the morning, leave after the game, stay in the neighborhood. It's just a, uh, it's a fantastic experience. Yes. Yeah, speaking uh, of uh, great places too, you mentioned, I, I know you're, you're a sports, I mean, a, a food and travel guy as well. Yeah. G give us a kind of an unknown city for, for both travel and food, you know, not, not a typical, one maybe that we wouldn't think of or something that you might have that's you know not new york or, or you know right Seattle, I, I, something that's yeah i think you know chicago's a good food city new york's a good food city i think if you're if you're looking for a great place to visit and party and have fun yes. i think the best <laughs> best city in america is new orleans you've got okay. world-class musicians literally you walk into a shitty little bar on frenchman street no cover and you'll see one of the greatest bands you've ever heard. And they're playing for bucket money. Right. And you can't, the, the, there are, um, there, there are gas stations that are Zagat rated in New Orleans because the food is so good. It's harder to get a bad meal in New Orleans than it is to get a good one. So you've got music, you've got food, you've got culture, you've got, you know, black, red, yellow, white, uh, just a huge melting pot of people and cultures. It's, um, it's an amazing place. And uh, we go every year for the Jazz Fest, which will be in October this year. Typically, it's in the spring. It's the best party in America, um, uh, hands down. So that's a great city. Austin's a great city. Um, uh, Memphis is a great city. Uh, real good music and food there. Uh, you know what? Any place. That's what I've been itching to do with this COVID thing. I yeah. haven't been able to do any road trips. I just want to get in a car and go somewhere and and sit in a diner and talk to some waitress you know that's <laughs> exactly it's funny just like alec Berg going to monk's cafe right exactly <laughs> well uh mark this has been a an absolute honor 
we thank you. We're going to thank you. We're going to call you. I mean, thank just you say thank you, Jerry. Just We're going to email you guys tomorrow. <laughs> And tell you what, now that we know you're a ticket, you know that you're a ticket guy, we're gonna we're gonna uh, ask you for Cubs tickets front row, like Alec Bergstein. <laughs> I can, uh, I, once it opens up, I can help you. Right now, they're a little scarce. A little scarce. <laughs> thank, like, thank you so much. This has been uh, hey guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Great, this, this show is really fun and uh, continued success with it. Uh, ha- have you had any of the main cast on the show yet? Nah, Peterman was uh, John O'Hurley. We had was was a big one. Peterman. Peter Melman, we had he's he's one of the uh, yeah, Peter Melman original writers, but yeah, the uh, the, the big four they're they're hard to get, but we're working on them. Believe me. Yeah, they're very cool. They 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 uh, uh, you know obviously they're a little busy, but um, <laughs> certainly yeah, we're all busy. Yeah, exactly. Keeping the flame burning for them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, man. You can there's you can put in a word for us with uh, with Larry. Sure. Next time I see. Oh man, Mark, Mark awesome thank job! Thank you so man. much, man. This is great. We really appreciate it. Tony, Chris, thanks so much, man. It was thank really you. a blast. Good luck and go Cubs. Why not, thank you, Mark? Yeah. Thanks, guys. That was really fun. Right, appreciate cool. you asking. Thanks again, Mark. Cheers. Uh, take it easy, guys. Bye bye.